On this week's episode of the Nesson Soccer Podcast, we preview the New England Revolution's MLS Cup playoffs matchup with the Montreal Impact. Plus, after a historic loss to Spain, is it the end of German soccer as we've known it? Five, two, three, four. Hello and welcome to the Ness and Soccer Podcast. I am Mark along with Marcus. Marcus, good afternoon. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. A little chilly for my taste, but uh, I'm alive. Yeah, I see. You're all bundled up. I mean, you got the, <laughs> is the heat working in your apartment? What's going on? It is. Uh, it was down for a bit and then uh, I had to turn it up, but it's not going up as quickly as I would have liked. So, yeah, no. I, I feel that it is getting chillier out there, but that just means that MLS Cup playoffs are about to begin, and they are indeed about to begin. The New England Revolution will play the first game of the 2020 MLS Cup playoffs when they take on the Montreal Impact on Friday night at 6:30. Uh, that will be at Gillette Stadium. It's the play-in round. That is only in the Eastern Conference. The Western Conference doesn't have a play-in round. Very unique playoff format, but, you know, it's 2020, so let's get weird. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, anyway, the the Revs are the eight seed for the MLS Cup playoffs, which matches them up with the nine seed Montreal Impact. A team they've already played four times this season, went three and one versus the Impact. But yeah, obviously it's been a very long and strange year for MLS teams. The MLS season began, I think some teams played one match, some teams played two or three uh, at the, you know, way back in like late February, early March. Then it all came to a stop. Then they did their bubble tournament and then they resumed their season. And, you know, and and here we are at the playoffs. Um, Marcus, just, you know, before we dive into, revs versus impact i mean just overall the mls season what do you think how do you think it's been handled and and how do you think it's gone i think they made the very best of a bad situation it's actually kind of interesting because they went you've seen across different leagues how some leagues go with a bubble model some go with a you know they just play all over the country like uh, the nfl for instance mls actually went with both of them, uh, they, they went, uh, they had the bubble in the MLS's back tournament. And, you know, it's well, before I break that down, this is the 25th MLS season. It was supposed to be a, uh, what kind of watch do you get for your 25th year? Like a gold watch. <laughs> it's one of those sure. anniversaries that is, right. uh, is significant. And of course, coronavirus just uh, put a damper mm-hmm. on the whole thing, but they had the uh, they started the season. Then they had the MLS's back tournament, which took place down in Orlando at Walt Disney World, and then uh, they went back to their markets and played largely a regional schedule, which is why you saw the Revolution face the Red Bulls, New York Red Bulls, New York City FC, Philadelphia Union, DC United, and of course the Montreal Impact over and over again. So. Competitive balance thrown way out of whack. The rhythm of the season also thrown out of whack because they released the schedule in bits and pieces. 
but it was all aimed at bringing us to this point, which is the MLS Cup playoffs, uh, which will take place. Uh, thankfully, there's no international break to break it up, as was the case in previous seasons. Uh, it's really going to be a sprint between now, we're recording on November 19th, and uh, MLS Cup, which takes place December 12th. So the next three weeks will be action-packed. For those listeners uh, that know me personally, they know my uh, affinity for MLS. And the MLS Cup playoffs are uh, my favorite because it's usually, well, it's always, almost always the best soccer being played, uh, the most memorable games. And of course, it's blood and thunder out there on the field. Uh, a lot of the uh, criticism of MLS is that the regular season games are paid, played at a, uh, let's call it a leisurely pace. I think that has a lot to do with playing uh, in the spring and summer. I don't know if you've ever tried a uh, 3 p.m. <laughs> kickoff in Dallas in July. Oh. Let's see how fast and far you can run for 90 minutes. I've had similar uh, experiences, yes. Yeah, um, but... You know, MLS Cup playoffs, winter's coming, uh, the stakes are raised, and the games are always more competitive and a little more combative. So I always uh, I always enjoy it, and I always tune in and watch. Yeah, so uh, if the Revs do manage to beat the Impact, they would face either the Philadelphia Union, who they lost to 2-0 in the final match of the season. The Union are the MLS Supporter Shield champions, uh, number one team uh, in the regular season. Or they would face Toronto FC, the number two seed. That depends on the other, the results from the other playing game. So, yeah, I mean, as we were talking about, uh, it's it's been a long year, but the Revs kind of, not kind of, are, are on an upward trend nonetheless. And uh, Bruce Arena's plan, master plan, is certainly in motion. I'm sure it hit some road bumps with coronavirus, but the Revs are seeking their first playoff win since 2014. And Bruce Arena spoke to the difficulty surrounding this year and, and uh, his goals moving forward. Yes, I would say this and year one were probably the most challenging. Year one, no one knew, knew what the hell was going on with the league. We were, we were all over the place in terms of the competition, stuff off the field, you know, a new league uh, with not a whole lot of experience, people in sports, and it was it was very hectic. This year has been been very hectic, but an an organized way of of, of being hectic. In that uh, we knew what we were doing, but it was hectic because of the circumstances, and certainly challenging. But this year, I actually think has been a phenomenal effort on behalf of the league and and the players and the coaches and, and everyone involved because it, it's been real difficult, you know, going from uh, the three or four month layoff we had when the league shut down to the bubble, uh, to the, you know, the play returning from the bubble. And to think now uh, we are finished with the regular season. We actually have playoffs and we'll have an MLS cup is to me, absolutely remarkable. All right, so that was New England Revolution head coach Bruce Arena. Uh, Marcus, your thoughts on on Bruce's Bruce's statement there? Yeah, his last word, uh, remarkable, really sums it up for me because I think of how uh, how the season could have gone. Uh, MLS isn't one of those leagues that uh, 
is uh, awash in profits. Let's put it that way. A lot of sports leagues and particularly uh, soccer leagues and soccer teams in the United States opted not to have a season or to truncate their season. So, yeah, I think it is remarkable that MLS had the um, resilience, uh, is the word I'm thinking of, the resilience just to make it from March through, well, hopefully this will run through uh, mid-December. And it, you know, as I think I said earlier, it could have gone the other way very easily. And I wouldn't necessarily have been shocked if uh, MLS had decided to curtail their 2020 season at some point uh, due to the finances in the league. So, uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with uh, Bruce Arena. It is remarkable that they were able to stage a season at all. Yeah. And what would be even more remarkable, Marcus, is if the Revs can make any sort of run in these playoffs. I don't think I'd be too surprised to see them beat the impact. But if they're going to beat the likes of Toronto FC or Philadelphia Union in the second round and and advance any further, they'll need a lot out of their goalkeeper. Team MVP, Matt Turner. Matt Turner was not only he won two MVP awards for the Revs this year. He won the fan vote MVP and he won the players vote MVP. I believe he posted six shutouts over the course of the season, countless big time stops and saving the defense, saving the field players. Uh, And so much so that there is even talk of him creeping into the U.S. men's national team, creeping onto the radar. Certainly he's on the radar at this point. And we heard plenty about the men's national team in this past uh, international window. But that was 100 or not or that was mainly let's call it 95 percent European based players. And MLS players really didn't have an opportunity to participate in that squad. Don't be surprised if Matt Turner pops up on a men's national team roster somewhere in 2021, uh, certainly with the the packed schedule that will be coming. But just so happens that Matt Turner appeared on Nesson After Hours on Wednesday night, and our very own Seely Godwin got to catch up with him. So we're going to bring you in on that interview now and uh, take a listen. Matt Turner, the guy holding down the line and making all the big stops for the revolution. How do you like your chances against a Montreal side that you've beaten three times this season? Yeah, you look at the numbers and you hope that, uh, you know, we, we stay consistent. We keep getting our wins over them. But, uh, you know, being a team uh, a lot of times, playing a familiar opponent uh, a lot of times in the year can be challenging sometimes. So. Uh, we're sure they've looked at the tape from our games that we've played them in the uh, the past few times, and, and they're going to come in with a with a strong game plan. They have a good group mentality, and they're coming off of a, a big win um, to just to secure a spot in the playoffs. There's been only one game this season where you won after conceding the first goal. Yeah, I think uh, that's massive for us as a team, and, and that was part of our identity uh, towards the latter half of, of, of last year. And, uh, you know, for, for us, Montreal, they, uh, they they do pretty well when they can sit in a block of five with, with a couple holding midfielders in front. So we know that it's important uh, to break them down early and, and make them open up. And, you know, if, if we don't, time favors them. Um, 70th minute, they'll probably say, you know what, we're, we're kind of on the back foot here. Let's just pack it in and, and play for penalties. 
Now we're all living in a crazy year and things have been very different for everyone in the club with the COVID protocols. We don't get to hear often from players on their perspective of things. The cases are spiking across the country right now. How much thought do you give to that and the impact it has had on you guys both mentally and emotionally? Yeah, I think for, for us it's been uh, overall, I think our team has sort of accepted the social the social contract um, you know, we, we have things that uh, we expect from each other off the field, not putting ourselves in, in situations where uh, we might be at, at a greater risk and, and guys just holding each other accountable, which has been really great. Um, emotionally, you know, it's been tough to, to not have as much balance between uh, work and play, let's call it, even though soccer is a game at the end of the day. Um, so we know a lot, of, we're, we're lucky to have jobs. A lot of people out there are a lot less fortunate than we are. And, um, you know, no fans, but hopefully what we do can bring a smile onto a few, uh, some people's faces. And, uh, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm holding on to at least. Okay. Thanks to Seely and thanks to Matt Turner. Again, that was on Nesson After Hours Wednesday night. You can watch Nesson After Hours every night on Nesson, typically at 10 p.m., but also following live coverage of either a Red Sox or Bruins game if you are watching down the road. But Marcus, I mean, what, what do you take away from Matt Turner's big season as he kind of took, took up some big steps to become a much more accomplished goalkeeper at this time this year than he was at this time in 2019? Yeah, it, um, Matt Turner, his story is one of the most exciting surrounding the New England Revolution because he represents a... He's not a homegrown revolution player, but he has developed in the revolution system. You know, he joined in 2016 as an undrafted player, uh, spent, uh, I think it was a season or two in, um, on loan with uh, the Richmond Kickers in the USL. And then uh, around 2018, when Brad Friedel became the head coach, you remember Brad Friedel, the standout Premier League goalkeeper <laughs> and yeah. uh, U.S. soccer icon, you know, I, I wondered what would happen to the Revolution goalkeeping situation when Brad Friedel came aboard due to his experience and mm -hmm. uh, what I presume is his ability to spot a talented goalkeeper. Uh, what he did was spot Matt Turner and uh, his growth. And over the last, uh, I would say, two and a half seasons, he had gone from somebody who, you know, a draft day afterthought to the unquestioned number one for the uh, New England Revolution. He uh, beat out, you know, at least two longstanding, uh, longtime MLS veterans. Um, I'm thinking of Brad Knight and uh, Cody Cropper arrived with uh, U.S. Youth National Team experience from, uh, he was playing with Southampton. Matt Turner beat him out. And now all of a sudden, Matt Turner is, the revolution team MVP. So yeah, uh, it'll be exciting to see how he performs in the playoffs and how, uh, where his career goes, because yeah, for much of 2020, he has been uh, in the conversation for uh, at the goalkeeper spot for the U S national team. Um, you know, it looks like Zach Steffen is the number one, but Zach Steffen will not be uh, unless something drastic happens, will not be playing, tons of games for uh, Manchester City, at least in the near future. So, you know, the, I, I guess I should just say the sky is the limit for Matt Turner uh, for how far he can go uh, for club and country. But uh, for the revolution to enjoy some success 
at least this season, um, Matt Turner will need to be at his best. And uh, yeah, it'll be, he'll be certainly a player to watch. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, kind of just doing some research on Matt Turner and um, Charlie Davies actually is, keeps talking about how Turner will soon enough attract some European clubs and don't be surprised to see him make a move to Europe. And, you know, that would be great for Matt Turner, but somewhat selfishly, I I hope he sticks around with the Revs for at least one more year. And I think, you know, he improved so much this year. You know, would he have the same leap in 2021? Uh, You know, that would be amazing, but I think he still has room to improve. And another season with the Revs, uh, as the team itself continues to improve, could be the most beneficial career move for Turner to, to stay put. But... You know, let's just take a quick look at kind of the MLS Cup playoffs overall. If the Revs manage to beat the impact we mentioned before, they would play the Union or Toronto FC. But what sticks out most to me, Marcus, is how quickly this will all happen. Uh, The Revs play on November 20th, Friday night, and MLS Cup final is December 12th. That is 22 days in between the start of the playoffs and the, the final. The Revs would play again on December 24th. Um, so that's just one, two, three, four, five days, you know, four full days of rest in between matches. And, um, you know, as they advance, certainly fatigue will play a factor against the Revs. But assuming the Revs don't win the MLS Cup, who do you like to win the MLS Cup, Marcus? I guess you have to go with the uh, Supporter Shield winners, the Philadelphia Union. Uh, They'll be at home, you know, as long as they are alive in the tournament. So, yeah, but I, you know, my, anyone listening shouldn't bother with my prediction uh, (laughs) due to the lack of information that goes into it, but also, you know, a lot of weird stuff. This is going to be the year of the upset. And, you know, we saw the Miami heat in the NBA finals. Uh, (laughs) Strange thing. This isn't, you know, all the old truisms that, we hold dear in sports a lot of them go out the window so mm-hmm. to answer your question mark i don't know well for those curious about uh just the revs road uh you're right that they wouldn't host after this play in round they could only host if they met inter miami in the conference finals who is the 10 seed and then i guess they would also host the san jose earthquakes if those two teams met in the mls cup final Uh, so extremely unlikely, but I I think you're right, Marcus, it's going to be a wacky MLS cup playoffs, especially since each round is single elimination all the way through it is. Yeah, you're right to say the Philadelphia union are, you know, they won the supporter shield and, um, should, should be a, you know, an easy pick, but it's going to be the wild west out there, but all right, let's move on to what happened this past week between Spain and Germany. First of all, I'd like to say that I was thoroughly entertained by UEFA Nations League in this international window. And of course, as we spoke last week, Marcus, Scotland qualified for the Euros. uh, So congratulations to them. They went on to lose both their UEFA Nations League matches and uh, surrendered their lead of their group. So they will not be promoted to the A-League. They'll remain in B-League, Nations League, but I think that was kind of secondary to what they accomplished otherwise. Um, uh, yeah, Scotland uh, choked 
and <laughs> I have to think that it has something to do with your newfound support of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, it, it, they, they, they qualified for the Euros. I think that they just didn't care after that, to be completely honest. That might be saying too much. But at the end of the, the Nations League group stage, we have Belgium, France, Italy, and Spain who have qualified for the semifinals, which won't take place until October of 2021, so a long time from now. But uh, certainly kind of a, a powerhouse group of four to be in that semifinal. So really, that will be a very legit competition when it does come around again. But regardless of all the results, and there were plenty to dive into, the number one is so obvious in Spain destroying Germany six to nothing. And you can say anything you want about the roster that Germany put out. Spain did not put out necessarily their number one roster either. It really doesn't matter. This six nothing defeat by Germany was their worst defeat since 1931. Marcus, I know you didn't read it because you don't read my tweets, but I tweeted about this. <laughs> Germany's 6-0 loss to Spain on Tuesday is tied for their second worst result ever in the history of German football. That includes East Germany and West Germany. When the, when the country was separated in two, neither of those East or West Germany ever lost by six to nothing. Wow. Um, there was a five goal loss an eight to three loss by either East or West Germany. But they lost 6 nothing to Austria on May 24th, 1931. That's 89 years ago. That predates Hitler coming to power in Germany. And their worst ever loss, so that was tied. 6-0 has happened twice to Germany. They're, that's their tied for the, the worst ever. And the worst ever was a 9 nothing loss in 1909 to England amateurs. I say that, quote, England amateurs, unquote, and I'm not really even sure what that means. All I know is that this is massively embarrassing for the players that were on the field and uh, just so brutal. Marcus, what did you take away from it? <laughs> One, it's fun to kick Germany <laughs> when they're down. Um, I didn't, uh, this was Tuesday, Tuesday night. I didn't see what had happened in the Nations League action until Wednesday, woke up, saw the result, and just smiled. Uh, <laughs> because, one, you know, Germany are, uh, Germany is one of the, uh, you know, they are royalty in this game, uh, and as far as Europe, Europe goes. But it also continues a story that I've been telling really since, oh, I don't know, 20s. 18. Um, so for over two years now, which is we're watching the decline of this great German empire and just looking into what it uh, what it means for the rest of the, you know, for the rest of the world and the game as a whole. Um, you know, I'm, we're going to talk about Yogi Love, but a lot of it is I, I, I think a lot of the problems with Germany go above him uh which you know you, you, listeners have heard me uh heard me talk about how it's not really the coach's fault um yeah in this case it is the coach's fault but you can't blame him because he should have been gone after germany crashed out of world cup 2018 hmm. um 
their first foray in the Nations League 2018-19. I believe they would have been relegated uh, if not for the expanded A division. And here we are in the 2020-2021 Nations League. Not only do they fail to progress, but this result is just the, um, it's got to be an inflection point for German soccer because uh, it's not like Spain, like Luis Enrique, Spain is full of yeah. world beaters. Um, Spain's not going to go into the Euros as one of the favorites. I don't believe they will be. Uh, so well, maybe now they will be. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, but what, you know, what's going to happen with Germany is uh, this result makes them arguably the story to watch in international soccer, uh, at least going through the Euros, because Germany is a team that enters every tournament with at least an outside chance of winning. And here they are. Uh, they might play a couple friendlies in March, but yeah, they're going to go into the Euros uh, following this humiliation, this hammering. Uh, but they will go in with uh, Yogi Lowe, the, their coach, will go in with the backing of the DFB, the German Federation. Um, so he came out. He's been in charge of this team for 14 years. Uh, he's, you know, good on him. He won the World Cup in 2014, took Germany close to a couple titles in uh I think 2012, they were in the uh, Euro semis and then Balotelli killed them. Uh, 2010, I think they made the World Cup semis. 2008 Euros, they might have been in the final, I believe. Um, so, you know, Joachim Loeb, since since he took over in uh, 2006, can't believe it was that long ago, has had uh, this team close and he had what, I look back on as Germany's golden generation and he got them from the top, uh, got them to the top. Uh, they won world cup 2014 in Brazil. There was that seven, one hammering uh, of Brazil in the world cup semifinal. That was probably, well, sorry, winning the final was the high point, but you know, history doesn't remember that 2014 final. We remember the seven, one demolition job of Brazil. Well, it seems like, the circle has been complete. Uh, Germany's downward downward trend on the clock from uh, 12 o'clock. Now they're at six o'clock. And uh, what's going to happen next? I'm not sure, but Yogi Love still has the support. Uh, national team director Olivier Bierhoff said this game changes nothing. We still trust Joachim Love. No doubt about that. With the national team, you have to think and analyze from tournament to tournament. We want to achieve the maximum at next year's Euros. Uh, does that sound to you like the vote of confidence? It, I think it's a vote of confidence. I, I, I think that they've committed to you know this kind of quick rebuild, and maybe they're just there's a maybe Germany is just a little cocky in you know how quickly they can strip things down and rebuild a. Uh, a, a national team club uh, but at the same time I mean and as we said earlier it's it's the year of coronavirus it's a year of crazy results you know Scotland just qualified for the Euros uh, so maybe this result is just more out of whack than the reality I, and maybe there was this you know a give up 
in in Germany to to allow the score line to get to what it it was. I mean, there was an 89th minute goal, uh, another goal in the 71st minute. But I mean, it's it, <laughs> I I don't know. Uh, it's it's a tough way to end 2020, and Germany won't play another competitive match until March, I believe, and that's. Uh, you know, I mean, the, it'll be all eyes on Germany for all their World Cup qualifiers and the Euros next summer and anything else that comes up. Um, and it'll be not that it wasn't overanalyzed in the first place, but, you know, if, if they draw, you know, at the Netherlands or something, it's going to be the world is falling and, you know, more so than in the past. Um, but at the same time, Marcus, I. I, I think we're in the same boat. I think we're going to both sit back and enjoy the, the, the German downfall uh, and uh, just kind of, you know, laugh at the quotes that come out of support that maybe don't really seem like they're real and just uh, get excited for, you know, the next time that Germany might drop a match. Um, it's certainly comforting for me uh, as someone, as an Italian supporter. Yeah, well, um, I don't know. I don't know what the uh, you you said it might be. We're enjoying Germans' downfall. This downfall has gone on for I would say at least almost three years now. Uh, they did win the Confederations Cup in 2017 and the lead up to the 2018 world cup that was about a summer before um they had a uh it looked like a talented group of young up-and-comers and what did yogi love do he stuck with a lot of the same guys that remained from the 2014 squad and then all of a sudden after the world cup uh mesut ozil retired after receiving a lion's share of the blame um, and no backing from the Federation. Uh, Love never really explained why he didn't take Leroy Sané to the World Cup in uh, 2018. And then all of a sudden, Jerome Boateng, Matt Summels, and Thomas Muller. Uh, Love retired them all. Uh, Boateng and Muller just helped Bayern win the treble, and uh, they're on the outside looking in. So, uh, yeah, it really looks like a uh, looks like a mess, but certainly a mess of uh, Yogi Loves and the Federation's making. Yeah, and you know, it was Manuel Manuel Neuer in net for all six of those goals. Leroy Sané, Timo Werner, Tony Cruz were all on the field uh, for most of the goals that were surrendered. Um, but I mean, Marcus, we did want to ask, you know. If Germany does make a switch at manager, who will they go for? And I mean, I think just with the quotes that have come out, it seems like there won't be any changes likely until after Euro 2021. Um, And I think that those changes will only come about if Germany, you know, just has a really poor showing at the Euros. but if that does become a reality, who will they target? Uh, there are only, I mean, the German media uh, has now launched their obsession with uh, Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool uh, Liverpool manager. 
he is, uh, I would say, the premier German manager in the game right now, strictly due to what he did at uh, Borussia Dortmund and then uh, followed that up with uh, a great job, heck of a job at Liverpool. Uh, so he will be in the frame. He's got a long-term contract with Liverpool. He is um, still young. Uh, international management tends to be an older man's game. Uh, so another name popped up yesterday, and that was Ralph Ranić, former uh, RB Leipzig. He's kind of the architect of that, uh, of that program. He's out there. I think some big European clubs are sniffing around, but if uh, he would be the uh, easier get for the German Federation, uh, Jurgen Klopp's not going to leave Liverpool without a heck of a fight. Um, hmm. Ranić is out there. I think if they had to make a, uh, I don't want to call it a panic change because it's long since time to panic, but uh, I, yeah, I think he would be the next one. Um, and how would he do at that level? Well, we don't really know because I don't think he's had a shot yet. Um, well, Marcus, we are starting to run a little bit low on time, so we're going to get to our matches of the weekend. But I wanted to fit in a Zlatan quote of the week, but there was no Zlatan quote of the week. He didn't play for Sweden, unfortunately, despite his uh, back and forth with uh, Sweden national team, social media posts and whatever. But I did find one quote that I wanted to read because it uh, pertains to the Spain versus Germany match. And this was from Spanish midfielder Rodrigo Hernandez, who before the Germany match said, quote, it is a life or death match as if it were within the European championships, end quote, uh, which is pretty surprising, given that it was a Nations League group stage match. Um, but then after the match, Rodrigo Hernandez, also known as Rodri, said, quote, we walked all over them in every sense. We scored six, but it could have been more. We are still a group with a little experience, but this will give us a lot of confidence. We had the opportunity to send a strong message out to the whole world, and we have done just that. Uh, now, Rodri played the full 90 as a defensive midfielder and scored the third goal of the match in the 38th minute. Um, just some strong words. So, you know, we said Spain doesn't look like they'll necessarily be a favorite entering the Euros, but, you know, they're certainly on an upward tr trend after this 6 six nothing win. And, uh, I mean, yeah, if you don't have a ton of confidence after beating Germany 6 nothing, then you'll never have confidence. So definitely watch out for Spain. And I just love a little bit of trash talk going on. Yeah. He might <laughs> regret those words, but. Well, I mean, if you're not going to you know, shout from the mountaintops when you beat Germany six, nothing, then when are you going to do it? <laughs> anyway. All right. Matches of the weekend. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Sure. Uh, Saturday, 3 PM on being sports. I'm going to be watching Atletico Madrid versus Barcelona. Uh, this is a matchup of two uh, La Liga title hopefuls. It's still very, very early. Atletico Madrid comes in third place, Barcelona in eighth. Um, these are two teams that uh, when it's all said and done, they'll be in the top four. And I was hoping it would be uh, the first stop on Luis Suarez's revenge tour with Barcelona, but he contracted COVID-19 while on international duty with Uruguay. So he will not play. 
But nevertheless, I will be watching uh, because these are two of the powers in Spain. I will be watching Liverpool versus Leicester City, 2.15 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. That'll be on NBC Sports Network. I'll be watching because it is a matchup of first and second place teams in the Premier League. Leicester City, 18 points. Liverpool tied with Tottenham on 17 points. Winner goes top of the table. Um, And that's why I'll be watching. It's going to be very exciting and a great way to break up uh, my Sunday from watching American football, the original football, switching back and forth. It'll be a good day. Uh, But Marcus, thank you for joining me today. And listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, Be sure to keep joining us by following along at Nesson.com slash podcast and also on iTunes and Spotify by searching Nesson Soccer Podcast where you can uh, subscribe, download, like, and comment and let us know how we're doing. Please do that and uh, we'll see everybody again soon. Turn up the Rebel Radio. Why is you must have to know? Stop the Rebel Radio.